We're thankful for the salvation that we have through Christ. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we come to God's Word tonight as seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance as we come to the closing verses of chapter number 2. Of course, this is Paul's final letter. Uh, as he would write, as when he, after he laid down his pen, he laid down his life. And with, and with these final strokes of his pen, he wrote his final instructions to his dearly beloved son the faith, Timothy. And usually when people share their last words with you, they're of, they're of utmost significance, are they not? And, and this has been referred to by some as Paul's swan song. His, his farewell address. And of course, it brings great comfort to our hearts, assurance and encouragement. For instance, even across the page in chapter 3, we come, we find the key verses of this book. In verse number 15, the Bible says in that, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the ministry of God's Word? Now, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible goes on to say of itself here in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible doesn't just tell you how to, how to become saved, how to accept Christ as your Savior, but it also instructs us in how we can live our lives for God. Aren't you thankful that the Lord gives us instructions? So we're not out just taking a shot in the dark, you know, just trying to, to do whatever we must, but I'm glad that God gives us specific direction, aren't you? And as we come to God's Word tonight, we come beginning in verse number 22 and if you're able, I invite you to stand out of reverence for God's Word tonight as we read together, beginning in verse number 22 of, of 2 Timothy. The Bible says there, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do not gender, uh, but they that they, they do gentle stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the, to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Again, Lord, just the great ministry and work that it, that it performs in our hearts and lives. We're thankful for uh, the central truth of your word being Christ and how we can know him, how we can live for him, how we can bring him glory. Well, Lord, tonight as we come to these few verses of scripture, we pray that you would impart your truth to our hearts. Lord, that you would tear down any walls, anything that would hinder us from hearing and, and applying the truth of your word to our lives. 
Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and that your spirit would guide us. Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that you would help me as I preach tonight. Lord, that you'd help these who, who hear, God, that we would all, including me, listen to what the Bible says and obey it. But God, give us guidance tonight. And Lord, if there is anyone here this evening who does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, may tonight be the night of their salvation. Lord, may, may you guide us now, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 24. Now, what Paul is referring to here is not necessarily, even in, in our society today, it has some politically correct connotations to it. The Bible says, he mentions the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of divisiveness in our society today, and, and I'm about to de de define for you what the word servant means. But I want you to be careful not to take it the wrong way, because this applies to all of us. And, in, and not in a poor, not in a... Uh, in a bad sense, but in a, in a wonderful sense. The word servant literally means to be a slave. To be a slave. And we understand that we're all slaves. Aren't you thankful that we can be slaves of Christ? We were slaves of sin. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Romans chapter number 6. You and I, we used to be slaves of sin. Now, now a slave has no will of his own. He is completely under the command of his master. And as I live my life for Christ, I endeavor to live completely under the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It requires death to self. It requires mortifying our members with uh, our bodies, our flesh, with the affections and lust and living under Christ. But listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse number 15. What a tremendous passage of Scripture. The Bible says, What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? The Lord even answers it for us there at the end of verse 15. He says, God forbid. God forbid. He says, Know ye not, verse 16, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So how can I be a good servant of the Lord? It's about yielding. I have to yield. You know, our, we have, there, are, there are laws in, in society. Laws that are implemented for our safety, some, most of them, right? You know, you come to a a roundabout. I remember the first time I drove through a roundabout. How many of you remember the first time you drove through a roundabout and thought, I thought these were only in Europe. What are they doing here? You know? I remember we were living in Las Vegas at the time, and we, I, we came in, and I was, and it, bam, there it was, roundabout. I thought, what is this? How do I? I don't even think they covered this in driver's ed, you know? I'm thinking, what in the world? Pick a lane and go, Right? But there's, it's all about yielding, isn't it? What is, why, am I, why am I to yield? I'm, I'm to yield to oncoming traffic. I'm to give way to them so that I don't injure myself 
or someone else. In the Christian life, I am to yield my life to God. I'm to yield myself as a servant of the Lord. I surrender my ability. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't have to yield. I don't have to. I can break the law. I can put the pedal to the metal and disregard the law of the road. Go through that intersection safely. It could happen. You can make it through that intersection without yielding. But then again, you might injure yourself. You might hurt yourself. And the Lord does not want us to injure ourselves. God does not want us to injure others. Yield, obey the laws of the road. But more importantly, we're to obey the laws of God. And as we consider our lives, as we yield ourselves to Lord, to Lord, it's not a yielding to injury, it's a yielding to victory. When you die, that's when you truly become alive. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. One of my favorite verses. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. But we've been taught... We've been taught by the world to to resist the powers that be. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. But if I resist the power of God in my life, I limit God's working in and through my life. And I want to be a good servant for the Lord. I want to completely yield myself to His authority, to His leadership. I want to follow God. Christ, but it requires death. Look back there in Romans chapter 16, if you would please. In verse 17 it says, But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin. Romans 6, 17, But but God be thanked that ye were, past tense, ye were servants of sin. I used to be a slave to sin. I knew nothing different. The world, the flesh, the devil, the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, my pride of life, all of those things I served willingly. I placed myself under their authority. I followed their leadership. I took took and followed their commands. And as a result, I was dead. Miserable. I'm thankful that was past tense. Look there again in verse 17. It says, but ye have obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered. You Verse 18 says, Being then made free from sin, notice, ye became servants of righteousness. Don't you mark that statement there in your Bible. Servants of righteousness. Because I am a servant of the Lord, I too can be a servant of righteousness. I can live my life for God. I can please Him in all things, not because of anything good about me, but because of what Christ has done in my life and through my life, because He is is my King, because I have placed myself willingly under His authority. He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. 
For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now, look there, it says, even so now, what you used to do for, the, for sin, even so now, yield your members' servants of righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things? Whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. In the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Turn your Bibles to Exodus, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 21. You see, in the Old Testament, when servants were presented with the opportunity to have freedom, if they loved their master, they would turn their liberty down. Look what the Bible says in in Exodus chapter 21 and verse number 6. It says, but now, I'm sorry, now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant six years, he shall serve. In the seventh, he shall go out free, free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, he shall, and shall have borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But look in verse 5. And if you've never noticed this verse before, or marked it, or made any type of recognition to it, I encourage you to do so. It says, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. He turns, he, he turns down, he refuses his freedom. Do you love the Lord? We're servants of the Lord. We've been bought with a price. We're now to glorify God in all that we do and all that we say. Is the Lord a good master? You know, I'm glad I can serve the Lord. Do you know why? Because the thief, the devil, man, he comes not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Man, he's a liar. He's he's a father of lies. Man, oh man, he's awful. He does not have my best interests at at heart. But the Lord does. And he's gracious. He's kind and caring. Full of compassion. Of tender mercies. Oh, and, and, and just think about it for just a moment. You and I are blessed with the privilege of serving God Every moment of every day. There's nothing greater than serving the Lord. Sometimes we give so much heed to everything else. We become enamored by other lesser things. And we lose sight of just how wonderful our Master is. miss out on the blessings 
of our service to God. There's no master like Christ. And as I consider my service to the Lord, turn back in your Bibles tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 2. As we consider our service for Christ, I know it's not popular to be called a slave, especially in our modern culture, but I'm thankful that I can be a slave to the Lord. I'm so thankful I'm no longer a slave to my sinful self or any other thing. And as I live my life and as I consider what God has set before me, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Consider what God has set before you to do. How can we be good servants of Jesus Christ? How can I be a good servant? There are, there are two things that you and I uh, find here in these closing verses of 2 Timothy that will help us be good servants of Jesus Christ. The first is rather simple. It's the pursuit of a good heart, of a pure heart. Pursue a pure heart. Look what the Bible says back in verse number 22. Paul writes and he tells Timothy, he says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. According to God's Word, there are things that we, things in life we ought to flee. We are to run from. Get as far away from as possible. We're to flee these things. Why? Why does the Lord instruct me to flee also youthful us? Because they hinder my service. You know, you cannot serve two masters. It's impossible. Jesus said you'll either hate the one and despise the other or hold fast to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. right? You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, sometimes even Christians struggle with what master they obey. You cannot serve yourself and serve God. It's impossible. Your heart only has one throne. And it's reserved for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a few things that we read here in Scripture that that we're encouraged with to stay away from. Turning your Bibles to to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. And we'll, we'll notice a command, another command here to flee. To flee. Of course, Paul's writing, he says, flee also youthful us. But Peter writes, he says, Dearly beloved, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You know what that means? This mean, that means that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. As that songwriter wrote, My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You and I, this is not our home. 
Where is our home? Our home is in heaven. So Peter writes, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You know what a lust is? I believe it's something that God never intended you to have. It's something that, that God never intended you to do. I believe it's something that God never intended you to be. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Love not the world, as we mentioned this morning, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away with the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What is the will of God, and how can I abide forever? There's only one way for me to live forever. And that's by doing God's will, by repenting of my sin, and by faith accepting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, God the Son and the Son of God, who died in my place, paid for my sin, was buried and rose victoriously from the grave and is alive forevermore. Placing my faith and trust in what He did for me, that's how we do the will of God. That is the will of God, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of truth. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we consider what, we're, what we pursue in life. And as saints of God, as children of God, we are not to pursue those, those youthful lusts, they, they, the fleshly lusts that war against the soul. For instance, as we, if we just take a quick brief glance through the Bible, we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number 18, we're commanded to flee fornication. To, to run away from it as far as we can get. And the Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 14, that we are to flee idolatry. We're to run away from it. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, we're, we're commanded to flee from our love for the world and the things of the world. We're to flee these things. Why? Because if I don't flee, my heart will become impure. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 15. Let me ask you a question tonight. What defiles your heart? Jesus is going to answer that question for us. What makes my heart impure? Remember, we're to, we're to pursue a, a, a pure heart. I want it to be clean. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart. That's my desire for myself. It's my prayer for you as well. But notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15. In verse number 10, the Bible says, And he called the multitude and said unto him, Hear and understand. He's not speaking in a parable now. He wants them to hear and he wants them to understand. There is some spiritual truth that Christ is going to teach the people that he was going to allow them to understand. He says, Not 
That which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Of course, his disciples had just been criticized by the religious leaders for eating with unwashed hands. Sound like 2020? Hand sanitizer, right? Got to wash our hands, you know. To eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile us. What the Bible says in verse number 12, Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this thing? So be it, right? Good. But he answered and said, Every plant which my father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile the man, for out of the Heart proceedeth evil, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Friends, how can I keep my heart clean? Just like if we were to go and eat something spoiled that would upset our digestive system, would it not? We'd be, we'd be hurting tomorrow, or even later tonight. You know? How many of you have ever had food poisoning? Yeah. I wonder how many of us have had heart poisoning. But the things that we, that we ingest into our hearts, you realize there are two ways, there are two access points to your heart? You can write them down. It's your eyes and your ears. Your eyes and your ears those, are that, those two things are the gateways to your heart. That's why Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 4 and makes the statement, he says, keep your heart with all diligence. I feel like we're beating a, de- uh, beating a drum, you're a dead horse, right? Just repetition, it seems. Continual reference to this over the last several weeks. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You've got to be very cautious at what you watch and what you listen to because what we allow into our heart contaminates our hearts. And, and we, have you ever thought, I've just been, been sitting there, all of a sudden something wicked pops in your mind. Where did it come from? It came from your heart. How did it get there? I allowed it in. But if we're going to be servants of the Lord, we must protect our hearts. Guard your heart. Don't trade it for treasure. Don't give it away. It's the Lord's. We're servants of Christ. That heart doesn't belong to you. How dare we allow the world to pollute it? How dare we allow the things of this world to contaminate our hearts? Because if we if we contaminate our heart, you know what? If we allowed worldliness, all these lustful things, 
covetous things into our hearts, you know what's going to happen? It's going to hinder our service for the Lord. Because without a doubt, over time, we'll become more desirous for the wicked things that we put in our hearts. And we desire to serve the Lord. I heard of a missionary story. I think I've told it before. So I apologize. I'm going to tell it again anyway. I forget what missionary made, told the story, but they were, he was on the mission field in Africa. And this tribal chief he had led to the Lord... And, he want, and, and this chieftain wanted to, to serve the Lord and honor God with his life, but was, but was having a real struggle. And one night he had a, a crazy dream. He may have just eaten some, something spoiled, you know, and just had all kinds of weird dreams, but I doubt it. But he woke up. Oh, that was strange. And he went back to sleep, had the same dream again. And again, and again, it was a reoccurring dream. And finally, he became so distraught, so perplexed by what the dream meant that he went to the missionary that had led him to Christ. He said, please tell me what this means. And, and he began to explain the dream. There were two dogs that every night in this dream that they would fight with each other. There was a, a white dog and a black dog. But the outcome changed from night to night. One night, the black dog would win and and another, another time, the white dog would win. And, and so the missionary, after pondering and praying, he, he, asked, the, he asked the man, he said, well, what, what do you do, or what happens in the dream to make the dog win? He said, whatever dog I feed the most wins. Makes sense, doesn't it? Of course, there's a great spiritual application to that. We could say that that black dog represents the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, our pride of life. It represents our flesh. That while that white dog represents our spirit and the things that, that are holy, the things that honor God, but if I'm all the time feeding my flesh, I'm going to have a very difficult time serving the Lord. Whatever you feed the most wins. If you feed your flesh, your flesh is going to win. If you feed your spirit, your spirit is going to win. But as, as Christian people, Paul writes and he, and he commands us and he, and he says again, he says, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that, are, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What does it mean to follow? That word follow means to, to pursue means to press toward. That's what it means. It means to press toward. Turn your Bibles to Philippians, if you would, please. How can I pursue a pure heart? How can my heart be pure? What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing our flesh, or are we pursuing Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ ought to be our primary pursuit because that is the Christian life. 
the pursuit of Jesus Christ in all things, in all areas, in all avenues we pursue Him. And Paul writes and he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. That's me. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. I'm not perfect. I struggle. Is that you? Are you perfect? Have you attained? Paul confessed. He says, you know what? I'm not there yet. I'm not there. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What are those things which are behind? Well, we were servants of sin. We used to serve ourselves. I used to be the Lord of my life. I used to be under the command of, of sin. But that was before. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let us come to agreement tonight that we all together ought to pursue Jesus Christ. Because only Christ can give us that pure heart. We, know we, we, we receive salvation. That's only the beginning. The Christian life doesn't end there. It's only the starting point. And every day, as Peter writes, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do I do that? It's by pursuing the Lord. You know, we pursue a great many things in life, don't we? We pursue job promotions. We pursue money. We pursue happiness. I mean, after all, this is America. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Right? That's the American dream. But only Jesus can give you a pure heart. Let us not waste our time with all of these temporal things because at the end of the day and at the end of life, Christ is the only one that matters. And when I stand before Him, you know what I want Him to say to me? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice the second lesson we learned tonight. Not only are we to pursue a pure heart, but we're also to pursue people. We're to pursue people. I mean, get out there and chase them down. Right? <laughs> We're to get after people. Look back in 2 Timothy 
in verse 23. The Bible says, but foolish and and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And the devil has a will for your life just like God does. God's will is far better. But as Christian people, as the servants of the Lord, we're to pursue people. The Bible says that we're to avoid, avoid, Foolish and unlearned questions, knowing that they do gender strife. In other words, as Christians, we're not to avo- we are to avoid arguments, but pursue people. Or it's not our job to win arguments. Our job is to win souls. However, turning your Bibles to first, or I'm sorry, to Second Corinthians chapter five. It doesn't mean we don't try. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible makes a statement, it says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. Our job is to go out and try to persuade people to place their faith in Christ. Some people, you have, it takes a little bit more persuading, Right? I'm thankful I can't persuade anybody. It's just a work of God. But we're still supposed to get out there and try. We're to persuade men. Why? Because they oppose themselves. Isn't that amazing? Look at what the Bible says. In verse 24, he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, Patient. And it says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it's people just can't seem to get out of their own way. But the truth of the matter is, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned to our own way. The Lord laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We all live in opposition to God. We all live in opposition to ourselves. That's the flesh. That's that's the devil. It's the cares of this world, the world's systems. They all stand in opposition of you. They all stand in opposition of God's will in your life. But we persuade men. It doesn't negate our effort. It doesn't excuse away the responsibility that God has given to us as His servants. We we go out and we persuade men. Look what the Bible says as we continue reading in verse 25. He says, If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know what it means to, uh, to meekly instruct those that oppose themselves? With great humility. 
with great gentleness, care, and compassion. We're not out there trying to thump them over the head with this. We want to speak the truth in love. We want to to demonstrate the, the character of Christ in our approach, in our appeal, because we persuade men, because we know that this book is true. We know that there is a God and that His name is Jesus and that He loves the world and that He died for all men and that it is His will for all to come under the knowledge of the truth. So, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I cannot be a good servant of the Lord if I am not working to persuade men. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Because that's God's one job He's given us. That is our, that is, that's why you're still here. You realize that? God left you here for a reason. We are His ambassadors Continuing on there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are, his, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. It's our job. And if I am a servant of the Lord, it doesn't matter what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And to be completely transparent with you, there are times where I just don't want to. And that might sound awful. As a pastor of a church, I would just rather not. Sometimes life is a whole lot easier if you don't. At least that's what the devil wants you to think. But the servant loses his will in the Lord's. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. There's an interesting word found in verse 26. It's the word recover. Look what the Bible says there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. The Bible says, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. You know what that word means, recover? It means sober up. So be, that they would be sobered up. It's like a, a drunk, you know, who's coming off a hangover. You know the world is drunk on the devil's lies? I mean, the world, man, they've all drank the Kool-Aid, haven't they? At least it seems like it. There's rioting in the streets. You know what? That's a work of the devil. God's not the author of confusion. You know, the last I checked, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. The last I checked, burning buildings down and throwing rocks at the police, that's not part of it. It's not going into somebody's neighborhood and threatening to burn their house down. It's not theft and burglary and riotous living. And the world, they're opposing themselves. They're opposing God. And it's all the work of the devil. And as we persuade men, 
It's the gospel. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Lord brings you out of it. Aren't you thankful that God brings you out of it? We're delivered. We're recovered. We're no longer drunk on the world's ideologies and philosophies. We're no longer longer drinking out of the same well. We've got a much better water to drink right here. And this is the only thing that will sober you up. I was watching the Andy Griffith show the other night. And old Otis, man, he spiked, he spiked the water jug. You ever see that episode? And Barney, he gets sloshed, you know, it's, and it's funny. <laughs> the governor's going to come and shake his hand. He's like, oh, bless his heart. You know, it's hilarious. But you know what Andy does? He takes him home and gives him all kinds of coffee to drink, gives him showers, you know, hot, cold showers, you know, just to, to get him out of it. Well, you know, There's not enough coffee in the world to sober you up spiritually. It's only God. And friends, I want to live my life. Man, I want to live my life as a good servant of Jesus Christ. How can I do it? I need to pursue a pure heart. I must never stop pursuing people. This is a faithful saying. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is still seeking people. In John chapter 4, we find that God is seeking for people who will worship him in spirit, and in truth. And you and I ought to surrender our hearts afresh tonight. Yield ourselves wholly to God. Say, Lord, help me be a faithful servant. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment, In just a moment, the piano will begin to play softly. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I, with all my heart, I want to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Is that you? May I pray with you tonight? Amen.